You're listening to a Make Mom Proud Project. Dear Daniel of May 1999, hello, soft boy who does not know to call himself a boy. You will come back here. You are about to be 10 years old and there is going to be Star Wars in the world again and there are toys for it at Taco Bell and the scariest thing in your soft heart is graduating from the fifth grade. There's a way they do it at Harbin's Elementary. You've been there. You've seen it. You've cried every year, but none harder than today. Soft boy who does not know he is a boy. They will have you little fifth grade muffins line up like the big kids you finally are. You know how to make lines now. You make lines and you can multiply by eight and you have practiced walking like Jar Jar Binks, who you think is pretty hilarious. They line you up and parade you through Harbin's Elementary as the little kids watch on. It is two years after Titanic, but they still play My Heart Will Go On. And hey, thank you so much for that collective musical trauma, Celine. Jesus Christ. Daniel, you would never say that. You were a good boy who does not know he is a boy. Every saga has a beginning, says the poster for The Phantom Menace. And like George Lucas, we can go back and decide when that beginning is. We can retcon our CGI galactic pasts if we need, if we want. Daniel Elton did not walk the halls of Harbin's Elementary, except I say he did. Every saga has a beginning. Love you, soft boy. Welcome to Star Wars Made Me Gay. I'm Daniel Hurd. Here we go. Our guest today is our friend Austin Wilson. Austin, how are you today? Hi. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm great. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to have you. Uh, for, for all of our friends out in the Galactic Republic in the Outer Rim, could you give us a little intro this morning? Uh, yeah, so my name is Austin Wilson. My pronouns are he, him. Uh, I recently graduated from Clemson University with a performing arts degree in theater. Um, and I am an actor, director, writer, stage manager, aka if there's something going on in theater and you need something, hey, call me. Um, so that's what I do. Love it. We love to see it. All right, let's get into this. And now for uh, spoiler alert, and I, I hope the producers are okay with me getting into this. Austin, we have had this conversation once before um, and some technical glitches have <laughs> led us to re-recording today. But I'm honestly so excited to get back into this with you because I remember this being a fascinating conversation. So could you start for me? Um, obviously, you know, you just graduated college. You're, you're younger than I am. Do you remember how you first got introduced to Star Wars? So I actually was first introduced to Star Wars with The Phantom Menace, um, the movie we are talking about today. Um, I watched it for the first time when I was around seven or eight. Um, I think I was hanging out with some cousins and they had all kinds of, you know, Star Wars figures and everything around. And I was like, what is this? And they were like, it's Star Wars. And um, we sat down and we watched the first movie and I was hooked, um, which I think is kind of what... Uh, Phantom Menace served as when it was put out to like reel some 
kids in during the late 90s, early 2000s to start reeling the young demographic in even more so. Um, and it worked. Um, and yeah, I watched The Phantom Menace for the first time. And for about 10 years, it's the only film I ever watched. I watched it over and over again, and I just never made it to <laughs> episode two, three, four, five, six. Um, and I just watched episode one over and over again because I was just in love with it as a kid. How, so how old were you when you first saw it? I think you already said it, but I want to double I want to double check. I was seven or eight, so I was okay. I was pretty young. And again, I think part of what was wild to me about our conversation last time is I forget sometimes because I I was, as I said in my little intro, I was nine going on ten. Um so I always think of like well, clearly I'm the youngest person who ever got into Star Wars. <laughs> so <laughs> it's always wild to me to remember like, oh yeah, there were like younger kids who who Phantom Menace was sort of the gateway for. And and something I wanted to bring up again, you you really dig young Anakin Skywalker, correct? Oh, young Annie is my jam, was my jam. <gasps> um, I, I love young Annie. Please tell me everything. Yeah, so young Annie just, for me as a kid, I really just gravitated towards him. Um, when I rewatched the film uh, like two months back, it really hit me that the film for me as a kid was just a young Annie movie. And I think at one point I did try to further watch more of the films. And I think I went to watch Attack of the Clones and young Annie was no more. <laughs> And we had Hayden come in, and I was not interested. And that's why I never went forward, because I think for me, that Phantom Menace was it, the main focus was young Annie. Like, I remember sometimes even fast forwarding up until when we meet him, when I was rewatching it, just because I did not care about anything Trade Federation or Obi Wan or Qui Gon or the uh, anything with Padme and the fighting, and none of it interested to me. I was just so focused on Annie, because for me, he was just this symbol of hope for me, which is, you know, a giant theme throughout all Star Wars canon, this hope, where he, I just related to him a lot about this little kid that was trapped and entrapped, um, and he was literally trapped and, in, and enslaved uh, by, um, what's his name, uh, Watu, or Watto, I think is Watto. his name. Oh yeah, Watto. Um, he's, literally, he's literally entrapped by him, and... I, as a young queer person, felt trapped in my body and also in my home in a very conservative, religious, anti-LGBT home as a kid. And I very much, you know, placed my dad as uh, Watu, like <laughs> he was him. There was definitely a little bit of comparison there. Um, and just looking at Annie and how Qui-Gon really saw something in Annie and helped him escape that life that he was living and helped him to go on to what, you know, was destined for him, was inspiring for a little me. I'm like, I want to be him. I want to have that bravery to go and get in a pod race when, you know, his mom is screaming at him. He could die, but he has the bravery to do it. And he has the, he has something in him where people are like, we need to get you out of your horrible situation because you are destined for something greater. And it's inspiring. Once again, I think I said this last time, but I hope Jake Lloyd is listening because that character has received, and that actor I feel like has received so much hate over the years. Oh, yeah. And so you're such a like beautiful, positive 
interpretation of the symbolism of young Anakin Skywalker, I think is so beautiful and so rare. So, and it, and that is sort of always the classically our entry point in, into Star Wars is we have sort of a trapped young person on a sand planet um, yearning to get out. And I do think that's, you know, wherever you are on, on the sexuality spectrum, I think for, for any of us sort of oddball misfit kids is always who we identify with and who we want to be. Um, I had sort of, um, my, my big character in Phantom Menace was actually Obi-Wan. And I think it was because, um, as I mentioned, I was in fifth grade, uh, graduating, graduating fifth grade. That's not a thing, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was about to start middle school and, and I think where Obi-Wan is in his path in um, Phantom Menace, sort of on that cusp of Padawan to Jedi Knight, that sort of transitional period, um, I think I really identified with that story because I remember I used to like, my mom wouldn't let me do it because she thought it was silly. So I would wait and go to school and I would try to do the hairstyle, like the little side braid and the ponytail. Awesome. That's and phenomenal. Thank you. And I would walk around fifth grade with my Obi-Wan Kenobi hair because I just thought he was the coolest. Um, so I do think it's interesting the characters we identify with based on like what age we're at when we get into that particular film. Um, yeah, so for sure. I wonder, I wonder what kind of person identifies with Jar Jar. That, you know, okay. <laughs> I, I said it in the intro and I will say it again. I loved Jar Jar Binks. I sincerely, like as a 10 year old, I sincerely thought he was like funny and great and I had no problems. And it took me a long time to be like, and again, I hope um, Ahmed Best is listening because I think he's a really great performer and I'm glad he is having sort of a second uh, Star Wars experience in the, um, what is it? The Trials of the Temple, the which I still haven't seen. I would like to. Um, yeah, I don't think it's released yet, but I know you're talking about. Yeah, and I'm just like, good for you, sir, because it was never your fault um, that yeah, no. the character is uh, problematic and yeah. Totally I mean, I enjoyed him too as a kid. Like, I was all about him. Like, I the same way. I was running around like him, acting a fool, um, spitting everywhere, shaking my face like crazy person like uh he was jar jar was made for the young demographic to really latch to and laugh at so i enjoyed him and that's what i think we always get so mad like i i think older star wars fans um how do i want to say this delicately i think because i've been a part <laughs> of it too um i think it's easy for us as we get a little older and more removed from our own childhoods to sort of like you know, put up our noses at the characters who are obviously there to be like, to be for little kids. Um, and I think it's kind of easy to forget sometimes like, yeah, we started this when we were kids and like, we're still going on, but ultimately that's kind of who this is for. Um, I mean, I do genuinely think Star Wars is for everyone, um, which means that you have goofy side characters and cute porgs, which I will defend porgs until I die. Um, <laughs> not to jump ahead to other trilogies, but um, okay. 
bringing us back around. Um, so I know you, I know it's been a few months, but I know you rewatched Phantom Menace. And in addition to sort of what you saw in young Anakin, was there anything else that really stood out to you in this viewing um, from a queer standpoint? So sort of from viewing the film with that lens in mind, was there anything else that really stood out to you? Um, I, I just could not get away from that storyline that, like, like I told you about with my family situation, which I had never connected before rewatching it, um, of Qui-Gon seeing something different, something special about Annie and not being able to put his finger on it. And, uh, well, he called it th the chosen one, but, um, just seeing something different about this kid and his mom knew it too. His mom knew something was different. Um, and she just didn't know what it was. And, um, the love that his mom still showed for him, even though something was different and like he had all these big aspirations and, um, in the way that Qui-Gon really just took him under his wing and t took him out of the situation he was in and believed in him and took him out of there. It very much felt like a, oh, like that, that's how I felt when I eventually came out, uh, was I was in a rough situation when I came out and then guiding light people like uh, these amazing phenomenal people in my life were like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and just swooped in and were like no you know what we're gonna take you somewhere else and um that that's really what happened for me um so it, it really felt like watching a galactic <laughs> fantasy version of what I viewed as my LGBT journey in the past 22 years of my life um and then I think I, there's also some of it in Attack of the Clones where, you know, Annie's like all grungy and emo and like, yeah, I had that face too. Um, but um, yeah, I, I really think that it, it's just, I just view it that way. To, to use my tagline for the show, that's beautiful. Um, thank, you for, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I, yeah, I think there's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a gay fairy tale, this notion that someone will come see the thing in you that you don't know what it is and will take you where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Also, Jar Jar, Jar Jar is a little bit sus. He might be a little gay. <laughs> Please tell me more. Oh, I don't know. Jar Jar just... Maybe it's the, you know, the stereotypical flamboyant tendencies and like the crazy arms and the ever just being a hot mess is almost, I would say most queer people are a hot mess. Yeah. So that's the reason I, I think Jar Jar somewhere on the LGBT spectrum. Jar Jar Binks is a disaster gay. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. I see it. <laughs> I am. Um, oh gosh. Sorry, I'm 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 back in my head now, just like really thinking of. I'm I'm wondering for you being because you 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 didn't see it in theaters. You just had cousins show the movie to you. Yeah, I um I believe I purchased at least three or four of the DVD because I would just watch the watch it over and over again and get all scratched up and ruined. But yeah, <laughs> I saw it in on a DVD on like a little you know the tiny little box screens. That was the first yeah. experience I had of Star Wars. That's that's definitely my experience with the original trilogy for sure. But I remember like the anticipation 
of Phantom Menace, like coming out into theaters, like as someone who was already bought into the world. Um, my best friend at the time who we like, we played star, we played Jedi Academy on the playground at recess every day. And we're already playing like, I think like the Phantom Menace, like PC game had already been released. And so we were like playing that at her house after school and her older sister took us to the theater. And like, it was this big, big deal. Um, and I think for me, it was one of the first times I had that much anticipation surrounding like a movie release, which is now such a big part of my life. Like just always waiting for the next Star Wars or the next Marvel or the next whatever the big nerd movie is. But I think that was my first taste of like something's happening. You know what I mean? Like something's kind of bubbling yeah. in the ether and we're all excited about it collectively. Um, and I feel like collective nerd enthusiasm is such a beautiful part of the Star Wars experience. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, that feeling is, there's rarely a thing that can top that feeling of being in a room of buzzing fans ready for something. Like, uh, I mean, the most recent one I had was with Endgame. I went and saw it, I think, the second day it was out. So, like, just in that giant packed theater of everyone just buzzing and waiting to see what happens. And then the viral videos of everyone yelling and hooting and hollering during the scene when everyone comes in through the portals and everyone's ready to fight and kick ass, like... Um, like that feeling is not replaceable. Like there's nothing else like it. And, um, I know I, I felt it when I saw force awakens, um, for the first time. Cause I saw that in theaters. Cause what I ended up doing was I ended up catching up and watching for the first time episodes two through six, a couple weeks before force awakens came out. Okay. Like force awakens coming out, pushed me to actually watch the rest of them and be like, you know what? I've only watched the first one, and I want to be part of this nerd culture thing happening, so I, I busted through the first six, and I realized very quickly why everyone hates on number one, because it's definitely the worst, um, but it still holds a very special place in my heart, but I realized very quickly that the original trilogy slaps, um, and then I went and saw Force Awakens, and uh, it... I can't imagine the difference in the feeling watching that film being someone that had years of fandom for it when I had, you know, just really deep dove in really quick. Um, it's, it's crazy. I, I remember, you know, I, obviously this is the Phantom Menace episode, but just speaking about the anticipation of Force Awakens for a minute, I remember th like the year before Force Awakens came out and when they had announced they were releasing the trailer and I made my then partner um, go to the movies with me the day the trailer got released. We saw a movie we had already seen, but I was like, I'm not watching this trailer on YouTube. I'm watching it on a big screen um, for the first time. And I just, I was breathless, like seeing any new glimpse of Star Wars after that long and that it was so promising and so exciting. Like I just didn't breathe and it was like a minute long. It was a minute of my life. And I just, and I think Star Wars has such a unique power to do that. And arguably, I think Marvel, you know, now lives in the same category. But this, I, I, I've said before a lot, I, I apologize, me recording in the morning, I am rambling like a, like a maniac. Thanks for going with me. <laughs> um, it's all good. <laughs> I haven't had my coffee yet. Um, 
I've often spoken about. So that sort of that sort of little half breath between a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then there's just a moment of darkness, and then you get that punch of Star Wars and the opening theme. And like, yes. I just think it's the best feeling in the world. And it's my favorite feeling. And it's where I want to live all the time, forever. So like- when that, What I'm hearing is you now need to make your alarm clock that, like just the, well, <laughs> just the start of the theme. Can I, can <laughs> start I tell your you, day with it. Can I tell you a secret? Okay, please tell um, me it, it already is. It already is my alarm. <laughs> That, that's a true story. My alarm is the the Star Wars opening theme because like it's the best way to start the day. Every single day of your life should be worthy of a Star Wars episode. Oh. Make it that way. That's that's a challenge. I dream, I dream, I dream. My goodness. <laughs> so I, I want to go back to the idea of what Anakin Skywalker meant to you. And I know you've now seen all of them. So like for... Because I, it's interesting, you know, as over the course of the trilogies, we sort of have Anakin and Luke and then Rey, you know, as I mentioned, as our sort of sad sand kids. Um, and Anakin has quite a different trajectory than Luke and Rey. So, like, for someone for whom Anakin was their favorite character and then seeing what becomes of him in the rest of the series, like, how did that impact your love for the character like how did that make you feel like just the the journey from anakin to darth vader as someone who loves him what is what is that like because again i don't have that same connection to young anakin that you do so i'm wondering what that journey was like for you yeah so for me i think watching it through and to this day i really sympathize with darth vader which is i don't think a common thing i mean i definitely know of people that sympathize with Anakin but I, I feel bad for him I really do and um because I've said multiple times I think with the whole Jedi rule of like you can't have feelings and you can't have love and like really I think the Jedi rules are constricting which for good reason like you know because you need to focus on the force and all that but for me I I'm watching it I'm like I get it I get why he's pissed I get why he's angry I get the emo angsty side coming out because the Jedi uh, council is literally telling him you can't have these feelings. You can't love someone. And it's really oppressive in a way. And I've told friends before, I'm like, if so, if someone told me you're not allowed to love people, I'm a very lovey person. I'm very, uh, I, I love love. I love romance. So if someone was were to tell me you're not allowed to be with someone ever or have a romantic connection with someone, I'd also I'd also join the Sith. Like they're like, you can have all the emotions you want. Cool, because I have lots of them. I'm full of them. So I, I really, I felt bad for him, and I, I really sympathize with his character arc because I get it. I really do, and I, I think it's a really one of the best written villain arcs in my opinion. Because I, I feel bad for him at the end of the day, and the whole time, I mean, because I watch them in um, chronological order and not release order. I see an arc of seeing him turn to the dark side, but there's still hope that he's going to be better than that, um, that he's going to be better than the horrible things he is doing um, and hold on to that hope. And then whenever 
in the last movie, whenever he redeems himself, and sorry, not the last movie, there's more now, in episode six, when he redeems himself, it it felt phenomenal. Like, it was a catharsis, because I'm like, yes, that is who you are. Like, you can have all these emotions, you can have all these things, and you don't got to do all the bad stuff to have those emotions. Um, so for me, that that's just, that's, like I said, because I watched them in chronological order for the first time, the first time I ever saw all of them, that's, I watched his arc and really connected to him and just felt really bad for him. And again, that's fascinating to me. Like, I, I do think we have different, maybe interpretation is the wrong word, but but different feelings about different things based on how we first saw the entire franchise. Because I think if you started, I think if you went chronologically instead of in release order, that's a very different experience. Um, oh, 100% with these characters um because like i'm gonna have to go back and do that in that order that's really interesting to me because like as a little kid watching a new hope first i mean darth vader was like this mythic otherworldly figure so i think for me it's still so hard sometimes especially after like how many years between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, like, it's still so hard to connect sometimes for me, Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader, because they, they seem just, you know, Anakin Skywalker is so human and, and is such a person and has such, as you mentioned, like deep, uh, um, 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 what's the word I want to use, but like deep and, and sometimes painful human emotions and then by contrast Darth Vader who of course we do see as an emotional being but seems so I mean again just like like no quote-unquote villain I think any of us had ever seen before so connecting him to the humanity of Anakin Skywalker I think if you start with the original trilogy um, is sometimes still a struggle. And I also judge part of the resistance for a lot of us about the prequel trilogy to, excuse me, to so humanize Anakin Skywalker. I think there's some resistance there. Um, Pat Oswalt has that bit in Werewolves and Lollipops about like, I don't want to see him as a little kid. Like I just, I just like when he's cool and killing planets. Um, yeah. Okay. I, you've sold me on doing a chronological rewatch. I don't think I saw the value in it until now. Like I've always rewatched them in theatrical order but i think you make a really really interesting point and i'm gonna do it <laughs> so that's thank awesome you. I'm, I'm glad you're gonna do it i think i don't think i saw the value in it before but that makes a lot of sense to really track anakin's arc yeah I, i'm i'm really glad that you're gonna give it a shot and do it because like i said earlier for me phantom menace was anakin's movie even though it wasn't completely about anakin for me it was and so i think that really is the point in my eyes of the whole prequel trilogy is to see Anakin's journey. It's really fun to see 
Obi-Wan's journey and Padme's journey and all these other things. But for me, I think the prequel trilogy for me serves as Darth Vader's backstory. And I think being able to watch his emotional turmoil and everything he goes through and what makes him into the villain he is and why he's so... He acts like a toddler a lot of the times and uh, in the original trilogy where he has tantrums and stuff. Not to the extent that Kylo ends up having in the new trilogy, but I, I, I think a lot of his emotional angst is it, it's warranted. And you see why it's warranted of him, uh, the Jedi Council, pushing down his emotions for Padme and um, also them him losing his children. Um, I think it all makes it, it makes Darth Vader a better, like you said, quote unquote villain for me. Yeah. It's hard to even for me, like apply the term villain to him. Cause again, like Darth Vader just always felt so like villain didn't seem like enough to encapsulate what he was potentially capable of in that original trilogy and like villain it was like yeah grand moff tarkin's a villain like a sniveling bad guy but like darth vader like what he's like he's, he's something else yeah, yeah he's something we haven't experienced before um uh and if you add on if you add on top of that watching clone wars i've not watched all the way through clone wars yet i'm in the process of doing it and seeing those episodes and watching anakin's growth in that it just fuels the fire for me um I can't remember the episode name, but it's the episode where he goes and it's like the episode that focuses on the whole, the chosen one thing. And he has to fight the light and the dark or the father and like all that stuff, just watching more and more of Anakin's story. It just locks it in for me of like, ah, I have such an emotional connection to that boy. Again, I just have never spoken to someone who had a specifically had an emotional connection to Anakin Skywalker, and I love it so much. Um, He's my boy. I, I love young Annie. So that kind of gets me. So you, as we're we're now kind of broadening out and talking about more Star Wars media, I just have a general question for you: Is Phantom Menace still your favorite, or like, what's your favorite Star Wars thing right now? <sighs> my favorite Star Wars thing is not Phantom Menace. I would probably have to. I'd probably have to say I really, really enjoy um, episode three. Um, episode three and then the real original trilogy are like my jams. Um, maybe episode three might be my favorite. I need to watch through all of them again and really be honest with myself <laughs> and pull emotional connections away to different parts of the series and be like, okay, which one is my favorite? Um, because I don't know if I have a single favorite film. Um Rogue One slapped. I love uh, Rogue One. Rogue um, One, I, again, I know our, our um, you know, we're kind of talking to you from the future um, because we recorded our Rogue One episode after the first time we spoke to you, but stay tuned for the Rogue One episode because it was fascinating. Oh, I'm lit. But yeah, I it also, like I said, I'm watching Clone Wars right now. Okay, short answer to your question. I don't know. <laughs> it's just all like, I have emotional connections and different loves about every single piece. I'm not sure if I have a singular favorite Star Wars thing. Maybe I'd have to say Phantom Menace just because it's just where I it started it all for me. We'll say that. Phantom sure. Menace. I 
I, I like as a little kid, mine was Return of the Jedi, and it's still like in my top three, just because I'm like, this is the one I rewatched over and over and over again in my living room when I was a little kid. So I think we always keep that connection to the one that we loved the most when we were children. So I think that's totally valid. 100%. So continuing sort of this, this broadening back out here, what, 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 if anything, does it mean to you to be a queer star Wars fan? Um, I, I really love this idea that Star Wars presents of the limitless possibilities of who someone is and who they could be. Where in Star mm. Wars, it's, you know, race, species, um, background, uh, Jedi, Sith, like all these different facets. I think the Star Wars canon is one of those geek dumb things where there are so many possibilities how someone can identify or who they are. Like there is a million species, a million races, a million everything like there is so much possibility within star wars and i think um and i know recently they're doing more as far as sexuality wise i think they recently wrote an uh an asexual character in one of the comics i think they wrote um a bisexual character in the comics recently um and i think for me star wars just it invokes this idea of one hope like that comes up in every single movie across the whole canon. Hope is such a big thing to hold on to. Um, even out in the holds of space. Um, and two, like Star Wars, it, it, the whole world is a big old galaxy and there's so many different types of people and so much out there. Um, and I think looking at Star Wars in that way of we, th- there's just, I don't know any other way to put it other than, you know, there's, you never know what someone's identity or something could be. Cause like there, there's all kinds of ways someone can identify and none of them are wrong. Like it's, there's limitless possibilities of things out there in the galaxy and you can be whoever you want to be and whoever is in your heart. I love the phrase limitless possibilities. That's gorgeous. Cause that's what Star Wars is like, it's limitless. Like, I mean, some things we look at when they come out and we're like, mm, that doesn't make sense, but it's still possible. <laughs> like, it's a fictional canon that's set in a space fantasy. Like, anything is possible. That's what I, I think sometimes, like, it can be easy for us as fans. I think there's an inherent... I think sometimes um, connection to to a series like Star Wars can begin to bleed into entitlement And I think we do start to assume like, no, 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 we know what the rules are because we've already been there. It's like, but isn't it more fun if our rules get challenged and we keep seeing how much deeper and wider this thing can go? Um, I remember seeing at one point like people up in arms about like a a color of a lightsaber like that. Like, that's not, that doesn't make sense. Like, we can't have that color lightsaber. That's never been done before. Hello, rules are meant to be broken, honey. Like there's going to be significance behind it. Like it, it is what it is. Like, like I said, limitless possibilities and more than if they write it well and do well, not saying that every single choice ever is done well, but if it's done well, there's significance behind why are they breaking the rule or why they're adding this new thing. Um, it's broadening the galaxy. Cause we keep learning more and more about star Wars canon. The more they put out, like 
um, the, the new initiative they're doing, Disney's doing with the High Republic multimedia project with the books and the comics and stuff. Like they're bringing in a lot more stuff pre prequel that they're making canon and you know retconning a lot of other stuff that's been said. But they're they're broadening it out because it's limitless because there's a timeline, but they can keep pushing it forward, backwards. They can jump in the middle and give us more information and um, they can do whatever they want. And I think it's, it's really fun to watch it all happen and watch the timeline that started with three films. We branched out into movies and TV shows and comics and books. And it's just fun. It is fun. Speaking of fun, this is my favorite question. If you could, bust down the door to a Disney boardroom right now and you had all the power, you can make one Star Wars character canonically queer. Who do you choose and why? Um, my answer is C-3PO. Love um, it. And I don't think it needs to fight because I think it's already done. I think he's already <laughs> canonically queer. I don't think there's any fight there. If if I walked in, I think it'd be a harder fight to make C-3PO straight. <laughs> like hetero cis boy. I think it'd be harder um i mean c-3po is one of the gayest people in the star wars canon and it's a fact and i gravitated and loved him in phantom menace as well i mean hello anakin got him working and up and moving so i think i think i i see it as anakin championing the gays um so uh yeah c-3po is 100 percent homosexual yeah, I like to believe that C-3PO and R2-D2 are droid husbands, and it makes me very happy. I'm in full support of it, because definitely C-3PO is, like, the basic, um, stereotypical flamboyant gay, the intellectual, like, all that. And then R2-D2 is, like, I guess the rougher on the edges gay husband, and, like, the quiet and, like, <laughs> the tougher one, and I love it. I actually saw, I'll have to find it and send it to you, somebody on Facebook, and I wish I could credit this artist. Um, everyone go down the rabbit hole of Star Wars fan art and fan fiction because there's such beautiful stuff happening. But I basically saw someone had drawn like a high school AU, um, like a high school human AU of, oh. of original trilogy characters. And the 3PO and R2 were fan-fucking-tastic. And I wish, again, I need to find it so that I can find that artist and like buy a print because it made me so happy. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. You got to send me that. Cause then I might purchase it as well. Cause C3PO is my boy. Like he, he might be right there with Anakin. I don't know. I can't, I, I can't, I don't know if I have ruined my heart to put them one or one above or below the, I think they have to be right there, right there at each other. Cause C3PO is, I'm also super connected to him because I think, in ways that Anakin doesn't resemble me, C-3PO does. And so I'm mm. also super connected to C-3PO. And the fact that they were introduced um, into into my timeline with episode one together, and they came together as a pair, um, I think is significant. And, oh, I love my C-3PO boy. Yeah, he's definitely gay. Definitely gay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm inclined to agree for sure, for sure. <laughs> the way he wobbles around, like, you know, he just did something nasty. Um, I can't, I don't, know what I, can, I don't know what I can say on this podcast. I can't, but the way he wobbles around tells me something. That's my favorite evidence for C-3PO being gay I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you so much. That You're took a turn welcome. and it was beautiful. <laughs> oh, goodness. 
Austin, it has been such a pleasure talking with you again today. I'm so grateful we had the opportunity to chat one more time because this was so fun. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, I know you just graduated again. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. Where can we find you on social media? Is there anything you're working on right now? Yeah. So first, thank you for having me again. Uh, I love, I love chatting with you. I love, ch I love a gay, uh, gay nerd chat. I love her LGBT oh, nerd chat. I love the it. Best. <laughs> I love Just it. The best. Um, uh, my Instagram handle is at Austin Wilson official. Um, that's where I post about a lot of things that I have going on and doing. Um, I have a couple of things coming up that I can't announce yet. Um, but, uh, <gasps> hopefully you can, you'll be able to hear some things soon, but I do have a couple of things lined up for the end of 2021. So definitely follow me on Instagram at Austin Wilson, uh, words at Austin Wilson official, and you can see some stuff there. All right. You heard it folks. Let's everybody follow Austin so we can figure out the secret mystery projects coming up at the end of the year. I love it. Awesome. I, I love being a mystery. I love it. <laughs> uh, well, once again, thank you so much for chatting with us this morning. Uh, folks, Phantom Menace. That means we're here. We're in the prequel trilogy. It's going to stay weird. Get ready. Next week, we're talking about Attack of the Clones. Oh, boy. I'm going to drink some more coffee or maybe just go ahead and start on some whiskey. Um, anyway, <laughs> you're all... <laughs> You're all wonderful, wherever you are, whoever you are. We hope you're having a great day. This has been Star Wars Made Me Gay. I'm Daniel Hurd. May the Force be with you. From the Make Mom Proud Project, this is Star Wars Made Me Gay. I'm your host, Daniel Hurd. This podcast is produced by Daniel Hurd and Jacob McKee in conjunction with Jake List and Ding Dang Studios. Edited by Jacob McKee. Associate produced by Austin Jeter. Original music by Brady Dunn. Cover art by Joshua Hudson. Special thanks to Maddie and Peter Lopinto. Star Wars is the exclusive property of Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company. Ding Dang. Ding Dang.